All right. Hey, my friends, thank you so much for joining me. Welcome to this episode of Real Live Talk, which should be actually the last episode of 2022. So thank you guys so much for checking this out. Full disclosure, I am pre-recording this episode about a week or so in advance. And so um, it's currently for me right now before Christmas, but this episode will be airing after Christmas Merry Christmas. Hope you all had an awesome, awesome uh, Christmas time season. Hope it was safe and uh, productive and hope you had an awesome, awesome time with your families, building traditions and doing all the things that you love to do, whether you celebrate in the traditional way or don't celebrate in the traditional way or don't celebrate at all or whatever. I hope that you had a, just a, a safe and fun uh, season uh, so far as we're getting to the conclusion of this year. And I do hope that you were able to take some time and just reflect on and remember the real reason why we celebrate. I know that uh, Jesus wasn't actually born in December, and I don't think that that matters. It's the day that we've kind of collectively put aside and assigned to say, you know what, this is when we're going to celebrate that Jesus came into the world, that he was born. And uh, ultimately, of course, he was born into this world uh, in obscurity so that he could save us so that he could give his life a ransom for many and so that we could stand in the place we are today uh, and live eternally in the presence of our amazing, incredible heavenly father who loved us so much that he gave up everything in order to save us and bring us into his presence. And so hope you were able to take some time and uh, just reflect a little bit on the goodness of God, even if you're, you know, kind of in the camp where you, you're not into the whole Christmas thing because of the commercialization or whatever the case might be. Um, but I think that however you do it, however we do it, whatever, that uh, it's important that we take time to remember who God is, what he's done, his faithfulness. And uh, I just think that this is a cool season, at least for me, that uh, is just it's more it's more prevalent. It's more in our minds. And um, it's just maybe a little bit more. I don't know. It's uh, it's a whole month, pretty much like the whole month of December, at least up through Christmas Day, where I just think it's more on our minds. Uh, what's going on? What this is all about? What Jesus did for us? What he accomplished for us? And so anyway, uh, I just appreciate you guys. And I thank you so much for joining me for this episode as we get ready to close out this year and uh, just step into a new year, which I'm just believing God for such amazing things, incredible things. I'm, I'm, I'm believing God that you're going to have some just beautiful, incredible surprises in your life, good surprises in your life in this new season, and that you're going to see the faithfulness of God in the land of the living like never before. And uh, yeah, well, guys, um, I let's see. I, I feel like I need to tell you something. Yeah. So in case you haven't um, been following maybe the last couple of episodes or anything like that, I uh, have amazing news for me and for my family and for our church family. We are in the process of moving. And so when this episode gets released, I believe, well, we're moving on uh, December 29th is the day we're actually driving um, away from our home in Alabama, and uh, we're moving to the Houston area. We're moving to start a new church. Appreciate everybody that has been praying for us. It's been this kind of really long, longer than we expected ordeal. But even that, I just believe we, we've seen the faith, faithfulness of God so much. And uh, But it's been this long ordeal where we've been We'd, for a long time, for several months, trying to find a home, kept getting rejected, not not being able to uh, get a uh, home, a house. 
and <clears throat> it's uh finally one came through and i just yeah i'm so grateful thank you guys for praying thank you for standing and partnering with us and it's just amazing so because of that because of the moving process and everything that's been going on i've only really been doing one episode per week it's just been tough to schedule things not knowing what tomorrow is going to look like and so once we get into january probably by the second week of january i should be back to normal as far as uh, two episodes a week typically on mondays and thursdays and the majority of them live episodes and all that kind of stuff just kind of getting back to the normal flow of things once we're able to get internet set up and all that kind of stuff and so thank you guys for bearing with me being patient with me and uh i'm sorry because this uh, i haven't been maintaining the the standard that i want to for this podcast just as far as consistency of episodes and all that kind of stuff i have some amazing guests lined up uh for this new year and i thank you to um the guests that partnered with me kind of in the tricky transitional time for me had some amazing guests on during the month of december as well and i uh, just appreciate you guys so much so so much you don't even know it's just amazing and, and uh it's awesome i love i love that i get to do this uh, I don't know. I don't care. I, you know, I don't even know all the time if there's like one person listening or a hundred or a thousand, you know, it's, it's, it's whatever. Uh, but I, I appreciate anybody who takes the time to be here and to listen, to watch, to share, uh, subscribe, subliminal messaging right there to subscribe if you haven't done so already. But uh, anyway, just do love and appreciate you guys so much. And so, yeah, I'm pumped. I'm excited. We're moving. We're uh, getting the the new church plant in Houston, Texas, off the ground, and I'm just so excited. I've been sharing this a little bit that uh, there's I wouldn't call it fear, but there's that kind of nervousness, that nervous energy. I'm excited. I'm like wired. We're packing up the house. It's crazy. And there's also that nervousness. Once we found out that we actually had the house, it's like okay. So this is real now. And the reason for that is because there's so much up in the air as far as just things that we are having to believe God for and partner with the heart of God for this season that we're in, just steps of faith that we're taking that we are taking right now that are like, you know, kind of blowing out of the water any of the steps of faith that I've had to take in the past. And I just think that that's part of the beauty of following Jesus is that it's always an adventure. He's always wanting to partner with his people. He's always wanting to move us from glory to glory, always just increasing stages of his goodness and his presence and his faithfulness. And if we'll just walk with him and partner with him, we're going to see just increasing glory, just incre his, his goodness and his faithfulness. We're just going to see it more, just manifest more in greater ways, in deeper ways, in more meaningful ways, in more powerful ways. I truly believe that. But the, the catch 22 with that is that there's increasing levels of risk along the journey as well. You know, you get comfortable or you start to maybe get comfortable with the season of life that you're in. And then I feel like very quickly the Holy Spirit's like, all right, it's time to do something else or it's time to do something new. It's time to believe me for something greater. It doesn't mean that just because you get comfortable, it means that, you know, God's going to be moving you to another state or another country or another type of ministry. It doesn't mean that. Uh, but it, it is this thing with the Holy Spirit of staying in tandem with him, staying in step with him, where he's constantly wanting to uh, just increase you and stretch you and grow you in the faith that he's given to you and just increase your capacity to believe him for the impossible. And so I feel like that's the season 
uh, that we're in. I know many of you are in that season as well. And uh, just be encouraged because, man, he's so good. He's so faithful. When, you, when we don't see it, when we don't see why things are happening the way they're happening, when, when we don't see things panning out the way that we thought we would, and with things that we just don't understand. You know, God calls you to follow him. God calls you to take a step of faith. And I just think in our humanness, in our human nature, there's this desire for control where we just want to know, you know, we want to know what that next step is going to look like, what's going to be on the other side of that next step, what's going to be on the other side of that bridge before we cross it. And so often God's like, don't worry about that. That's not for you to be in control of. That's not for you to be concerned with. Our our concern, and I don't mean concern in a negative way, our focus should be just on obedience. God says, go here. I'm going here. I don't know why necessarily he's telling me to go here. Sometimes I will, but not always. I don't know necessarily why I'm going this way or why I'm transitioning or why I'm stepping into this new thing or why I'm taking this risk or this step of faith. But God said it, so I'm going to follow him because he's my good shepherd and he knows how to lead me perfectly. And even if I don't know what's on the other side of that ravine or that bridge or that next step, I, I know that God's with me. And so I know, you know what? Here's the thing, guys. Here's the thing. Even if, now I know that a lot of the, a lot of kind of the fearfulness or the, the thing that causes us to hold back a lot of times and taking those steps of faith. I'm not talking about taking blind, blind, you know, there, faith is not blind. That's a worldly concept. Faith sees, faith sees. It might be unknown in terms of the outcome, but the step of faith is in response to something that God is saying, something that God is leading us into. It's not stepping out of the boat and walking on the water just because Peter did it. No, don't do that because people have died trying to do that, thinking they were walking in faith. And that's not faith. Faith responds to what God is saying. So we only step out of the boat. Now I'm back to metaf the metaphorical boat, not a literal boat, but we step out of the boat as a response to what God is saying. Peter didn't step out of the boat until Jesus gave him the command to come on to him on the water. It wasn't until Jesus uttered those words out of his mouth that Peter followed because Peter was beginning to understand something that when Jesus spoke and said to do something impossible, that when they responded in faith, when they responded in obedience, that that impossible thing suddenly became possible. And so that's what this is. It's learning. It's this relational journey of walking with the Lord. When he speaks, we respond. And something that I, you know, I admittedly, I don't think I've done super well in my life. <laughs> There's times where I've done it well and uh, kind of it's the it's the exception to the rule, I think. Just being honest. But there's something that I'm I'm wanting to that I'm that I'm learning that I'm trying to get better at. It's responding quickly. It's responding quickly when God speaks. It's responding quickly. God says move, I'm moving. You know? And it's th there can be some natural kind of human fear or nervousness associated with that. And contrary to popular belief, the emotion of fear doesn't stop faith from working. You might want to throw bricks at me for that or whatever. It's okay. But faith, you know, we, we have this idea that God is looking for everything to come from us. 
that he's not going to move unless we prove to him, unless we show him. God is so good. He's so faithful and he's so ready to move. He doesn't need like buckets of faith. He needs a mustard seed level of faith for us to get into agreement with him. And sometimes it's as, you know, this doesn't sound like a great faith statement, but it works. Say, God, I don't know what's going to happen next. And and I'm, I'm not even, I don't even know if I'm fully on board with this or not, but you said it. So I'm going to respond. It's that, it's that trust in the shepherd to get out of the boat when it doesn't make sense. I mean, how often does it make sense to just get out of a boat, especially when you're in the middle of a, of a storm in the middle of the night? Like that doesn't make sense. It's not about making sense, but it's that response to God, even with the things that we don't fully understand where we really see growth happen. We participate with God on this adventure of this walk with Jesus that we see growth and we see breakthrough. And so one of the things actually, and I didn't intend on sharing any of this, um, but one of the things that God has, has been speaking to me about this 2023 year is that he's after partnership with his people. And he's after this heart response to him in trust. That's just willing to go where he's going, to go where he's leading us to go. It's this partnership thing because God wants to do so much on the earth. You know, God wants to break through, to bring breakthrough into your family. God wants to bring breakthrough into your neighborhood, into your school, your business, your, your job, your uh, neighborhood, your community, your city, your state, your nation. God wants to do so much, so much more than we give him credit for. And so often I think we're just kind of waiting. And even if we're praying, even if we're actively praying, I think that so often we can pray passively and just waiting. Well, God, do whatever you're going to do. Do whatever you want to do. And that's a level of partnership. But I think that God is looking for just a deeper level of partnership from his sons and his daughters where we're willing to do the things that he's leading us to do. We're willing to declare the things that he's leading us to declare. And it's just this living in tandem with the spirit of God, where he's leading us in his grace and in his goodness and in his favor. But we've got to recognize and we've got to have expectation for this, that God wants to do. I mean, God wants to heal the broken areas of your life even more than you want them healed because he loves you so much. God wants to bring breakthrough to your community even more. Like as much as your heart burns for that, God wants it even more. And so, but it's this thing where I just think we can take this passive approach at times or semi-passive approach where we're waiting on God to move. And I believe in waiting on God, but I also don't believe that waiting on God is this ultra passive thing. We're waiting on God, but we're awaiting his instruction. And there's times where it is literally just standing still. But I, I just think that there's this... Um, there's this season of fruitfulness, this season of fruitfulness, this season of productivity where God is just so desiring to show himself for who he really is. He's so desiring to show his goodness, but he's going to do it in partnership with people like you and people like me, not just the big shots. 
but it just in partnership with his people, with anyone who's willing to take that next step of faith that says, God, I might not know what's on the other side of this, but I know that you're faithful. And so I'm going to respond. I just realized that I started to make a thought earlier and then I got sidetracked by my own mind. I do that sometimes. One of the things that I think gets us to hold back is when we, we're we not 100% sure. Like we think we've heard God, but we're not like 100% convinced that it was God. That's why I think it's really important to learn how to respond quickly. Because often in the moment, we're sure it's God. We might try to rationalize it away. We might try to, you know, create some kind of reason or excuse for why we can't do it or, you know, why we don't want to do it or why it doesn't make sense to do it or whatever. But most of the time, a lot of times anyway, in that moment where God speaks, there's clarity. And if we would just respond, then we would at least, at very least, find out very quickly if it was God or not. The, the problem comes when God speaks and then we kind of take it and then we, you know, let a, a day go by, a week go by, a month go by. And now we're kind of like, I don't know if that was really God or not. I'm wondering, I, I just, I don't know. Was that God or was that just me? And it just allows time for that kind of doubt or that, yeah, just the uncertainty of that to solidify in our heart. And it's not a malicious thing or whatever. It's uh, it's almost like in the name of wisdom, we hold back and we don't go forward because we want to make absolutely sure that it's God. And and don't get me wrong, use balance with what I'm saying because there are times where God speaks to you and it doesn't mean that you're supposed to do it, move right then and there. But I'm talking about there's a season of fruitfulness and productivity coming for you. I believe that I've heard God um, speak on this matter that if we will live in this tandem relationship with him, we're connected to him as our source, that he's going to begin to make things clear for you. And he's going to begin to speak to you in just these simple ways. Heaven's not going to open. The clouds aren't going to part. You're not going to hear it, this thundering voice from heaven. That's going to, you know, it, but in, in these simple ways that the Holy Spirit walks with us and speaks to us and shows us things in daily life, when we'll partner with God to say, all right, God, I believe you're saying this, I'm responding and just responding quickly. Because when we don't respond quickly, we just leave room, we leave space for uncertainty to come in and to just kind of get us off track. But here's what I wanted to say to you. You know, there's this worry, this fear that comes in where it's like, well, what if I take this step of faith and it actually wasn't really God? And believe me, I've, I've, I've been there many, many times and, and had that thought and had that fear. And there's been many times where it's caused me not to go forward, to not take that risk, to not take that step of faith. But I just want to encourage you because God is so much bigger than that. He's so much bigger than one wrong decision. You know, so even if your heart desire, I mean, what would have happened if Peter had made a mistake and he stepped out of the boat and it really wasn't God and he began to sink? I'm pretty sure Jesus wouldn't have stood there and looked at him and been like, oh, you screwed up, boy. You blew it, man. You're going to drown. I'm pretty sure Jesus would have picked him up and brought him back to the boat. Because even when Peter did begin to doubt and he did begin to sink, what did Jesus do? 
Jesus extended his hand and pulled him out of the water and they got back in the boat together. And so we have this idea that if we miss it, we're going to be stuck out there on our own with the sharks. And it's just not true. Even if you miss it, you know what? I think it's safer. I think so often it's just safe to take, to take, man, to, to aim our lives toward obedience, toward obedience. Even if there's times where we don't get it right or we don't get it just right and we begin to sink, but it's having that trust and that confidence in the shepherd that even if I mess up, even if I go out on the limb and it's the wrong limb, he's still going to be there and he's still going to protect me and he's still going to cover me. He's still going to cover me. He's still going to shelter you. And so I just think it's this willingness that God is looking for. And when you're willing, you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have astronomical faith. You don't have to be a big shot. You don't have to have a huge ministry or following or you don't have to have any of that. God's looking for willingness. God loves to partner with people that are willing. So, uh, yeah, be encouraged. Be encouraged in this season because I believe that there's amazing things that God has in store for you. Uh, what I actually wanted to talk a little bit to you um, about today is remembering God, remembering his goodness, remembering his faithfulness. I think it's so important. Again, we just kind of came through this season of Christmas where I just think it's heightened in a lot of people's minds of remembering why we celebrate, remembering that Jesus came into the world. And um, my wife was teaching on Sunday, and I'm going to kind of steal a little bit of uh, <laughs> what she what she talked about. I thought it was so profound, and she shared this verse out of Psalm 106. It's verse 13, and uh, I'm going to read that, but I'm going to read a few verses ahead and, and or above and read into it. And, oh man, yeah, all right. I'll, I'll, it's just so good. Let me, let me just go ahead and read it. Um, I'm going to start in verse 8. It says, Nevertheless, God saved them for his name's sake, that he might make his mighty power known. He rebuked the Red Sea also, and it dried up, and he led them through the depths as through the wilderness. He saved them from the hand of him who hated them and redeemed them from the hand of the enemy. The waters covered their enemies. There was not one of them left. So, of course, this is talking about when God delivers his people through under the leadership of Moses, delivers his people out of Egypt after spending 400 years in slavery. They're delivered from the nation of Egypt, and then the army follows them, and God causes the Red Sea to part, and the enemy army drowns, and they get away safe. And it's just this incredible display of God's faithfulness. And so it's looking back. One of the things that we so often find in Scripture, particularly throughout the Old Testament, are these lookbacks. You know, in the people of God, they would have an experience with God where they would get to know Him. God would show up. God would show Himself faithful in some way. And what would they do? They would so often build an altar, and it was a place of remembrance. It was a place that they or their um, descendants could go back to later on on their journeys and find this place of, oh, well, that's where Father Jacob had this experience with God, where God did this. And they would tell their stories, and they would pass down the stories. They would pass down the testimonies. That was ingrained into the, the culture of the people of God. And it says in verse 12, they believed his words, they sang his praise. So they're remembering, they're believing God, they're singing his praise. We, we see that the people of God, they came through 
and then we see this um they, they break out into this spontaneous song they're singing and they're dancing and they're rejoicing and then they go three days without any water and then of course they immediately just start complaining and grumbling against Moses why did you bring us out here to die we should have stayed in Egypt we were better off in that place <laughs> and so look at verse 13 it says they soon forgot his works they did not wait for his counsel it says they soon forgot his works and one of the trends that we see throughout the old testament history of God's people is that they would have these breakthrough experiences with God where God would show up and he would show himself faithful and he would show himself strong. And then they would forget about God. They'd forget about what God did then. And so often what they would do is they would get into some kind of other mode of life. They'd be more focused on themselves and their advancement and their safety. And so they would set up idols and they would worship, uh, they would they would just fall into idolatry and into these practices where they felt like they had some control or they felt like they were safer, they were better cared for, better provided for, kind of putting their life and their future and their well-being into their own hands rather than in the hands of God. And inevitably, years would go by and they would just they'd get into trouble. They'd get into trouble. And they would almost be like it almost so much time would go by sometimes. Like, that there would literally almost be a generation, a new generation that didn't really know how to rely on or depend on God because their parents and their elders had kind of given up on that for so long. And inevitably what would happen is they would cry out to God again and God would show up and God would deliver them and God would set them free. They'd be rejoicing. They'd be happy, singing praise, all of it. And then time would go by and they would forget about God again. And, and we see that when the nation of Israel, when they would forget about the testimony, when they would forget to remember, when they would forget to keep in front of them just the faithfulness of God and remembering and reflecting on his goodness, that they would get into trouble. They'd get into conflicts with enemy nations. They would just get into all kinds of challenges and they would have struggles and it's so important that we remember it says they soon forgot his works. There's another verse here that I, I'd like to connect with this. And it's just a couple um, chapters back. Psalm 103, verse 7, it says, He made known, I'm talking about God, of course, He made known His ways to Moses, His acts to the children of Israel. He made known His ways to Moses, His acts to the children of Israel. I, I want to point out that I, this verse does not, it's, at least it's not read as a rebuke. It's saying this is just, this is something that God did. His acts were made known to the people of Israel. Moses was acquainted with the ways of God. And there's a difference there. Because when all we are is acquainted with the acts or the works of God, then that's that's a sh there's a shallowness of relationship there. And it's just kind of waiting for God to do the next thing for us but it doesn't cross that threshold into actual relationship. And so if the only way that I relate to God is when I'm going through trouble and I need him to save me, 
I mean, thank God he's faithful. Thank God he's good. Thank God he's willing that, that he's the second Timothy tells us that he's faithful even when we are faithless because he cannot deny himself. It's amazing. It's amazing. He doesn't treat us based on how we treat him because he loves us and his love is unconditional. But man, is there so much more. Man, there is so much more relationship than just this surface level of when I need help, I cry out to God. When I'm in trouble, I cry out to God, but when everything's going well in my life, I pretty much forget about God. There's so much more. But the 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 people of Israel, the vast majority of the of the people of God um, in these days in the Old Testament, they were acquainted with his acts. And so they knew his deeds. They knew the things that he did. But Moses was acquainted with his ways, meaning that when God did something, Moses went deeper. Moses recognized, hold on, God did this, not just because it's something that he did one time and it was over. No, God did this for us because this is who he is. And so for Moses, it was an understanding of the nature and the character of God that allowed him to live in this place called relationship and intimacy with the King of Kings. And so for the people, it was surface level for Moses. And we see this in the Old Testament in um, in uh, Exodus chapter 17, I think it is, when Moses brings the people, he brings the nation of Israel out to Mount Sinai. And it, it's this place where God is just showing up with his presence in this really powerful way. There's a thick cloud and there's smoke and there's lightning and there's thunder and God is showing himself strong. And it's a physical manifestation of his presence that I I'm, I mean, I'm sure it must have been intimidating. <laughs> I'm sure it must have been pretty terrifying to see that. But Moses brings the people out because God wants to meet with them. God wants to show himself to them. And the idea is that it's not just Moses spending time with God and telling the people what God says, that God is after relationship with the entire nation. And so Moses brings the people out and the people just, they get so afraid that they tell Moses, you know what, Moses, don't let us hear God's voice again. You speak to God on our behalf. You speak to God. Tell us what he says. We'll listen to you. But don't don't bring this on to us because it's too weighty for us to bear. I'm paraphrasing. And so, you know, I feel like that was a defining moment for the people of Israel, for the people of God's, the nation of God's chosen people, excuse me. I think that that was a defining moment where it was a decision, a collective decision that was made. It was, we don't fully understand this and it scares us. So we're just going to choose not to go to that next level and we'll just stay here where it's easy. We'll just stay here where it's comfortable and we're not going to go to that next level of hearing God personally for ourselves. So Moses, you handle that. I think it defined so much about them going forward. But Moses literally, like he leaves that conversation and he turns around and he he walks back in and disappears into this thick black smoke cloud thing and just goes in and gets in God's face because that's what mattered to Moses. Moses wanted the presence of God. 
when we read Exodus, uh, Exodus chapter 33, and I encourage you to check it out, it kind of connects all this, a lot of this stuff together where Moses is like, if your presence doesn't go up with us, we're not going to go anywhere. We're only going to go where your presence is leading us. And Moses makes this statement in Exodus chapter 33, where he says, teach me your ways or your way that I may know you. It's an incredible statement. He says, teach me your way that I may know you. So again, we have the people of God, by and large, who are only acquainted with the acts of God. Moses is acquainted with the ways of God. So Moses allows the things that God does, the, the ways that God shows up and shows himself faithful. Like when God showed up in Exodus chapter 15, when they come to this place, that they, they had just, um again, just come out of Egypt. They've gone three days and they have no water. And they get to this place called Mara, where the water is there. There's water. There's There's plenty of water but it's bitter. So they can't drink it. It's basically, it's poisoned. <laughs> they can't drink the water. And God shows up there and he makes the bitter waters sweet. <laughs> My bunny's over here having a sneeze attack. You all right, bud? Man. Anyway, the, the he's the, the, God makes the bitter waters sweet and then they drink and they're satisfied and all that stuff. It's, it's all good. Everything's, uh, everything, everything's good. And then God reveals himself to them there as Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals you. I have to imagine that the majority of the people, what they held on to was God did this thing for us where they threw a tree into the water and it turned the water sweet and he, and he saved us. But then we turn the page, like literally you go to the next chapter and they end up in a wilderness and they're already complaining again. Why? Because what this verse says in Psalm 106, 13, they soon forgot his works. See, the thing is, when all you, when you're only acquainted with the works of God, it's really easy to forget about his works. It doesn't sound like that should be accurate. But you've got to become acquainted with his ways in order to stay acquainted with his works. Otherwise, what happens is uh, you just forget. You just forget about what he's done. If it's only that level, it's, if it's only that surface level of your of the, the works of God, all I know, I'm only acquainted with God to the extent of this is what he does for me. This is what he did for me. Then... It's just easy to forget. See, Moses went deeper. Moses understood the ways of God. See, Moses understood he didn't just heal the waters and make them sweet. He is the Lord who heals us. That's how he revealed himself there. I am the Lord who heals you. God showed up. He said, I will put none of these diseases on you that, I, that, I, that came upon the, the Egyptians, the plagues and all of that. I am the Lord who heals you. So again, for the people, it's God made the water sweet so we could drink. For Moses, it was deeper. It was, this is who God is. This is what he does as a reflection, as a demonstration, as a manifestation of his nature and of his character. So I want to get to know that. 
Because when you're only acquainted with his works, you can very easily forget about what he's done and very quickly forget about what he's done. But when you're acquainted with his nature, when you're acquainted with his ways and with his character and with who he is, then we have this lifestyle of building history with God where we remember what he's done. We remember his faithfulness so that the next time you encounter a situation where the waters are, are bitter and you can't drink them, it's not just, I wonder if God's going to come through for me because God, you haven't really done much for me lately. So I wonder if you're going to be faithful. I wonder if I can count on you here. It's no, it's God. This is your nature. This is who you are. You are faithful. You are the God who heals me. You are the God who provides for me. You are my comforter. You are my shepherd. You're my strength when I'm weak. You're the, you're, you're my safety in the midst of the storm. This is who you are. It's not a one-off. It's not something that you did one time. And so I got to sit here and wonder if you're going to break through for me again. No, I've got to anchor my hope and my faith into the reality of who you are. Because when I anchor my hope in who you are, then no matter how difficult this scenario that I'm facing is, it doesn't have to overshadow me and bring me into a place of fear because I know that I'm overshadowed by something higher, which is that my God, my loving father, my good shepherd, he's faithful and he knows what I need. He knows where I'm at and he's not going to leave me and he's not going to forsake me. So Moses in Exodus 33, he says, teach me your way that I may know you. It's I'm, I'm going deeper. I don't want to just, I don't just want this thing where when I'm in trouble, I cry to you and you come through for me. But it's like a devastating experience because I don't know if you're going to do it or not. No, I want to know you because I want to be in tune with your heart and I want relational intimacy because at the end of the day, whether you come through for me or not, whether you come, whether you make these waters sweet or if I die here in the wilderness, I want you. I want you, God. It's the difference between, you know, a phrase that we would use is seeking his hand and seeking his face. The thing about it is when we seek the face of God, when we desire him above all else, when we desire him above all the other stuff, Believe me, we get the stuff that he has in his hands for us too. We get his blessing. We, we get all that. We don't have to choose one or the other. It's not, I can have the stuff that God has for me or I can have him. No, when you get him, you get him, including what he has for you. But when the motivation of my heart is just give me what's in your hand, God, just give me what you have for me. Maybe I get it. Maybe I don't. I don't know. But even if I get it, I quickly forget that I got it. And so I quickly forget what's available to me. But when I know the nature and the character of my God, then I can remember when, I, when I'm in need, when I'm in one of those situations, I can remember that he has what I need and that he's faithful to provide. Uh, just a verse popped into my head in uh Psalm 63, when David says, God, you are my God, early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. The title of this psalm here in my Bible says, a psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. David was 
in a place where he was running for his life and he was in a place of physical agony physic like he physically needed water he physically needed sustenance but he says my soul my my soul my soul thirsts for you my flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water so i have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory because your loving kindness is better than life my lips shall praise you thus i will bless you while i live i will lift up my hands in your name and look at the result in verse 5 my soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness and my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips watch this verse 6 when i remember you on my bed i meditate on you in the night watches because you have been my help therefore in the shadow of your wings i will rejoice it's incredible it's this rec rec <clears throat> it's this recognition that even when there's physical need there's real physical need i long for you above all else and man that's not possible when we only relate to god based on what he's done for us lately it just doesn't happen our mind doesn't go there because you know your mind our mind doesn't go to that place of of real trust and real intimacy if we haven't known if we don't know him if we haven't become acquainted with him so it's becoming acquainted with him discovering his nature and his character discovering who he is personally that allows us to stand confidently even in the midst of the most oppressing difficult circumstances of life we can stand firm we can stand bold knowing that our shepherd is faithful and that he's going to provide for us so um i think i wanted to go to maybe just one or two more places here maybe just one more um in nehemiah chapter 9 the verse we want is verse 17. Let me see if I need to read above it or not. Um, I might skip around a little bit and just uh, just to give you some context. I'm going to skip around a bunch, but Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 7. You are the Lord God. You chose Abram and brought him out of Ur of the Chaldeans and gave him the name Abraham. You found his heart faithful before you and made a covenant with him to give the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, a bunch of people, to give it to his descendants. You have performed your words, for you are righteous. It's another one of these passages where it's kind of a recalling of the history of God's people and, re and recounting the faithfulness of God through the years. You saw the affliction of our fathers in Egypt and heard their cry by the Red Sea. You showed signs and wonders against Pharaoh, against all his servants, and against all the people of his land. Let's see, uh, jump down to verse 12. Moreover, you led them by day with a cloudy pillar and by night with a pillar of fire to give them light on the road which they should travel. Verse 13, you came down also on Mount Sinai and spoke with them from heaven and gave them just ordinances and true laws, good statutes and commandments. You made known to them your holy Sabbath and commanded them precepts, statutes and laws. Verse 15, you gave them bread from heaven for their hunger. You brought them water out of the rock. Just kind of recalling this testimony of God's faithfulness throughout the generations. Verse 16, but they and our fathers acted proudly, hardened their necks, and did not heed your commandments. Verse 17 is what we want. They refused to obey 
They were not mindful of your wonders that you did among them, but they hardened their necks and in their rebellion, they appointed a leader to return to their bondage. And it just, it, it keeps going. And then it starts talking about the grace and the mercy of God, how he's slow to anger and abundant in kindness. And he did not forsake them. Wow. But just that phrase, they were not mindful of your wonders that you did among them. It's, it's just so, it's so crazy how, how important this is. It's so important to remember the wonders of God. And I know it's not a, you know, it's not about signs and wonders and, and we get into that whole thing where, but we've got to remember, we've got to hold on to what God has done because when we don't, the result here is clear. When we don't remember God's faithfulness, when we don't remember what he's done, when we don't remember his goodness, we very quickly harden our hearts. We quickly harden our hearts. You know, to harden your heart doesn't necessarily, I know the connotation there is that you're like turning your back on God. No, you can have hardness of heart for anything. I mean, you didn't see God come through for you on something the way that you thought you should. So what happens? A little bit of unbelief seeps in and now your heart is just kind of hardened toward God in that area. So the next time something comes up that's similar, you have this thing in the back of your head, which says, I just don't know if God's going to come through for me. That's called the hardening of the heart. There's levels of this. It's so important that we remember his goodness and that we take time to reflect on his faithfulness. And look, if you're unaware, you know, if you, if you, if you have a hard time looking back over your life and finding times where God has been faithful, the first thing that I'll encourage you to do is pick up your Bible and to look at the faithfulness of God throughout his people, because this is the history of your family. This is the history of your Jesus family. What God did for Moses and Abraham and David, what God did for the uh, disciples in the New Testament, what God did over and over again to show his faithfulness, healing people of afflictions and disease, the, the setting people free, raising the dead, all of these things that God did, they speak to his nature and his character. You know, all of the miracles that Jesus performed on the earth, he did that as a representation of the Father. He did that as a demonstration of the goodness of our heavenly father here on the earth. He wanted to reveal the father to us. So Jesus didn't do anything outside of God's desire, God's heart and God's love for his people. So when Jesus opened those blind eyes and when he raised the dead and when he set people free, when he spoke truth into people's lives, when he cleansed the lepers, when he did all these incredible things that he did, he did it because that was the Father's agenda. And the Father's agenda today hasn't changed. You know, in Matthew chapter 10, it's uh, he, God, God uh, Jesus sends out the disciples telling them, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons, freely you've received, freely give. It's because that's the heart of the Father. Jesus can't give commands that are not in in uh, in conjunction or with the heart of God. That's the heart of the Father. That the that His people, and that the people that surround you 
in your community, that they walk in freedom, that they walk in wholeness, that they experience healing in their body, that they experience the life-giving and life-saving power of God. That is his desire. So what we've got to do is we've got to build a culture. We've got to build a context for miracles. We've got to. We've got to build a context in our lives and even in our own mind and even in our own heart, a context for what does the goodness of God look like in my life? What does the goodness of God look like for the people around me? Because God wants to break in with his light and with his truth and with his power. But if our mind doesn't go there, then we're not going to partner with him to see these impossible things become possible. He's looking for partnership. And I think one of the most important aspects of learning how to consistently partner with the heart of God is this, is remembering his faithfulness, remembering what he's done. I encourage you, look back, look through the scripture, find the promises and the, the things, the physical acts that God did, because they're not just things that he did once upon a time. They speak to his nature and to his character. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And there is no shadow of turning within him, and he's no respecter of persons. So what he's done for one, he'll do for another. It doesn't mean it's going to always look the same, but it does mean that he's the same God and it's the same faithfulness. The same faithfulness that he showed to David is the same faithfulness he shows to you today. In spite of all David's faults and sins, it works the same way in your life. In spite of your faults, in spite of your sin, in spite of your failure, the same faithfulness that was available to them back then, the same faithfulness is available to you today. Only you and I have a leg up because the Spirit of God actually lives inside of us today. And so what we have access to, my friends, is just, it's unbelievable. It's, it's so far beyond our comprehension. And yet I think that we limit God. We so often put God in the box of our own experiences. He's so much bigger than your box. He's so much bigger than your experiences. He's so much bigger than that. And he wants to reveal himself to you and through you in powerful ways. But we can't be quick to forget what he's done because if we're quick to forget what he's done, then we're not going to believe him for the next thing that he wants to do. So I think we need to just develop in ourselves, in our families, you know, if you lead a ministry or something like that in your ministry or or in the in the fellowship of the people that maybe you mentor or that you have relationship with, the people that you walk with and do life with, we've got to create a culture of remembrance, a culture of remembering God's faithfulness and what he's done, what he's done throughout the generations and what he's done in our lives as well. And as we recognize the things that God is doing and we remember them, we hold on to them, not building physical altars like they did in the Old Testament necessarily, but, but remembering what he's done, remembering that we, we build a history with God. 
so that every single one of those experiences where we had an opportunity to become a little bit more acquainted with his goodness, every one of those experiences becomes a stepping stone to the next one so that we're constantly on this trajectory of growth and increasing levels of walking in faith. See, because walking in faith is not about, it's, it's, it's not about, you know, like being showy. It's not about being a big shot. Walking in faith and increasing in faith, it's just really about developing greater confidence in Jesus. That's where it lives. Uh, Bill Johnson makes a statement. He says something like this, that extravagant faith or you know great faith, powerful faith, always stands on the shoulders of that quiet, restful confidence in God. It doesn't sound as, you know, that, that quiet, restful confidence doesn't sound as sexy as the big faith, explosions of faith, which are amazing. It's, it's, it's amazing when God shows up and does incredible things. And then when we believe him for faith and we actually partner with God in faith to see breakthrough happen, it's incredible. But I think that it's formed and cultivated and developed in this fire of relationship where we're learning to walk with our shepherd, learning how to trust him more and more. We're learning how to put our confidence in him so that when that difficult thing comes up, or maybe it's not a difficult thing, maybe it's not a bad thing at all. Maybe it's just something that God is calling you to that's requiring you to step into that next level of faith, that next level of confidence to believe God more. It's I'm standing in this place of confidence and trust in my shepherd. I might not know what tomorrow holds. I might not know what's on the other side of this next step. And there might be nervousness there. There might be the emotion of fear there. See, the, the, the problem is not when you have the emotion of fear. The problem is when you partner with the fear. And when you allow that fear to stagnate you, to hold you back, to send you the other direction. But if you obey God in spite of that fear, man, talk about moving the heart of God. It's amazing that you and I have this incredible privilege on a daily basis to partner with God where we, we can actually move his heart, we can actually make the heart of God glad. I believe God is already um, smiling and, and, and <clears throat> joyful over you just in who you are. But it's also, there's also this dimension of relationship and walking with God where we can move his heart by responding to him. You know, it's it's not the it's not the pity stuff. It's not the pity party stuff that really moves the heart of God. I'm not saying God doesn't care when you're feeling blue or when you're feeling bad. I'm not saying he doesn't care. He cares. He every tear you cry is is known to God. But at the end of the day, I don't think it's the sitting there in my pity party and you know, complaining and whining and crying over the things that are not working that ultimately moves the heart of God. It's when I'm in that place, when I'm feeling that way, and in spite of how I feel, 
I choose to anchor my hope and my faith in the reality of his goodness and faithfulness and respond in obedience to what he's saying. That moves the heart of God. And so I just simply wanted to encourage you today, last episode of 2022, remember who God is. Remember what he's done. If you're having a hard time, I would just encourage you to look back over your own life, look back over your family, look back over the, all those times where you could have just ate it, <laughs> where you could have physically died, or you could have been in trouble, or you could have gone under, or you could have whatever. And the point is that you're still here. You're still here. And he's still got an incredible destiny and future for you, incredible purpose for you. And uh, so I would just encourage you, you know, we, we can we can so easily focus on the negative. Think about the 18 bad things that happened this week, and they they overshadow the 75 good things that happened this week. We can put so much more weight on the negative and live in that place. But I'm just encouraging you that as you step into this new year, make it a point to, to build. Start with you and let it spread to your family. Let it spread to your relationships. Let it spread to your ministry, you know, whatever. But uh, to, to cultivate that culture of remembrance, that culture of remembering the faithfulness of God remembering how good he is and becoming acquainted, not just with his works, not just with his deeds, not just with what he's done, but allow that to lead you deeper into a place of becoming acquainted with his nature and his character so that you can know him more. Because it's in that place of restful confidence in your shepherd <clears throat> that you'll just... <laughs> It'll just become a normal part of life. It, it, it's the normal Christian life to, to believe God for breakthrough, to believe God for the impossible, to partner with God, to see uh, walls fall down, to see people set free, to see breakthrough happen. And I fully, with all my heart, believe that that is the uh, desire of God for your life. And he's not holding back from you. He wants more for you. <clears throat> And so I don't know why my, I'm starting to, my voice is getting weird. So I'm going to wrap this up, guys, coming up on close to an hour anyway. So I appreciate you all so much. Um, if anything that I said blessed you or encouraged you and you got something out of this, uh, I would, if you would be interested in supporting me uh, just by subscribing to the podcast on whichever podcast platform is most convenient for you, or maybe even leaving a review or a star rating or something like that. And if you really want to go the extra mile and share it with somebody that you think could benefit from listening as well, uh, again, that would just truly mean the world to me. Um, and I appreciate that so much. If you disagree with anything that I said or have questions or anything like that, uh, welcome to, uh, I'd love to hear from you as well. If anybody wants to reach out and uh, keep the conversation going further, feel free to reach out to me on any of the social media platforms. And uh, yeah, love y'all. So happy, well, Merry Christmas and uh, happy new year. And I just pray that uh, yeah, you close out this year strong and um, that you and I together, just as we step into this new, this, this new year, um, that you and I together would continue to just grow in recognizing God's faithfulness, that we would continue to just grow 
in just the increasing levels of faith and glory and just walking in uh, and experiencing the life of Jesus Christ and the faithfulness of God on display in our lives. Uh, that's my prayer for you. So bless you. And uh, yeah, I hope that you'll come and join me for a future episode.